This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You are listening to Front Office Features with Rob Crane. Each week on Front Office Features, we have a discussion with a sports executive in an effort to take you behind the curtain to learn more about the inner workings of the business and provide insights to help start and grow your sports business career. Today, I catch up with former colleague Jeff Gogarty, who is the ticket operations manager with the Dallas Stars of the NHL. Jeff and I worked together like a decade ago. Um, and he talks through his story, and one of the great stories that he has, uh, that he has is he had as an intern an impromptu bullpen catching appearance for rehabbing all-star Kevin Brown. Uh, Kevin Brown was a great pitcher uh, way back when, and uh, Jeff caught him as a bat-boy intern combo. Anyway, crazy story. Anyway, Jeff went to school for finance and always loved the business of sports. Jeff turned his love of money, finance, reporting, etc. into a role in the ticket office. He talks through the challenges he currently is facing in hosting the 2020 Winter Classic at the Cotton Bowl this year on New Year's Day, where Jeff and his boss literally sat in thousands of seats before the event went on sale to test them out. And when it finally went on sale, it was the second fastest selling winter classic in the event's history. We also talk about technology coming for fans through ticketing. Jeff also hire in his role also hires hundreds of people. He goes in depth and describes in detail what it makes to be a good employee and interviewer. So um, before we get to that, before we get to Jeff, one thing, if you get into sports, let me tell you, be nice to the ticket ops person. They have bailed my ass out of so many situations. Uh, it's not even funny. So I thank people like Jeff uh, in my current role with the uh, Pawtucket Red Sox. I thank people like uh, Samantha Sousa who uh, get me out of trouble nearly on a daily basis. So without further ado, here is Jeff Gogarty, ticket operations manager for the Dallas Stars. Welcome to Front Office Features. I am Rob Crane, and today our guest is a former colleague of mine. I mean, like, forever ago, 10-plus years ago, uh, Jeff Gogarty. Jeff Gogarty is now the manager of ticket operations for the Dallas Stars uh, and a whole bunch of other teams in multiple venues. So, uh, Jeffrey, uh, good to see you. I haven't talked to you in a decade, and uh, welcome to Front Office Features. Uh, Thanks, Rob. I appreciate the time, man. Uh, yeah, it has been a while, uh, but it's uh, excited to get with you here and share some of my experiences and, uh, you know, go along with some some fun times that uh, we had to share 10 years ago. Right. So let's start that. So you uh, started in Omaha, Nebraska. You were what? You went to Bellevue University. Am I right? 
I did, yes. Yeah, and uh, you started with the Omaha Royals at Rosenblatt Stadium. Uh, ballpark doesn't exist anymore. Uh, talk a little bit about you were at Bellevue. Talk a little bit about how you got your start with the O-Royals. Um, and it really started when I was in high school. I was the bat boy for the team, uh, <laughs> which was fantastic. That's how I kind of got my foot in the door and uh, got to meet some of the front office folks that were that were with the team. Uh, and once I got out of high school, uh, they didn't really want college bat boys, although I'd probably still do that to this day if I could. <laughs> it was a blast. Um, but uh, when I got into college, uh, I got to know some of the front office guys, and they brought me in uh, while I was still a full-time student uh, to be working uh, in the box office and kind of learn the ropes of, of that. And while I was there, um, some people left the organization, and I kind of was in a good situation that I knew the system and knew how to to – run what they were looking for, uh, so got hired on full-time by the team. So there's a couple of good things right there. I love that you started as a bat boy. Do you got any good bat boy stories, first and foremost? Do you remember any of the big guys that were there when you were there? Oh, sure. I mean, the the fun, the fun funnest thing about it was, uh, you know, just in, the, in minor league ball, is that the home team provides the bat boys for both sides. So I always chose to be on the visiting side because that way I got to meet a new group of guys every fifth day. Yeah. I already knew our team. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, a fun one was uh, Kevin Brown after he had signed his big deal uh, with the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, came down on rehab and was only there to work out before the game. Never was going to pitch in a game. And I show up early to the ballpark one time, and it's me and him and their pitching coach. And Kevin Brown used to throw aside. So I get to go catch him in the bullpen. And that so you had to catch Kevin Brown as a, uh, as a high schooler? Yeah. Did you almost die? Uh, I did. You know, we were, we were doing some long toss, just kind of warming up a little bit. And uh, they said, hey, would you mind, you know, going in the pen and getting down and catching a few? Yeah, sure. No problem. So I grab a mask and a uh, chest protector. <laughs> and uh, the first cutter he throws me, I uh, quickly ran back inside and got the shin guards on because it <laughs> about took me out. I, I had not seen, you know, movement like that <laughs> ever. That's, in, that's incredible. So you start as a bad boy. Now you're catching sides for uh... – for Kevin Brown. So yeah. you went to Bellevue. What did you study at Bellevue? Uh, I went there with uh, finance and then also uh, sports management was uh, my major as well. So, But I, I started out there in finance and got into sports management. So one of the things that I like about what you said earlier was, all right, uh, I started as a bad boy because you won. You probably just thought it was fun to do as a high schooler, right? Sure. Yeah, right. So, But then they started. you started saying yes to different uh, option. So they pull you in and they start teaching you the ticket system, right? Yeah. Yeah. There was from selling, um, which was pretty simple, um, at that point. Uh, but just my, I had a desire to, to do more and wanted to kind of get my foot in the door. Uh, so wanted to always learn more. Uh, the person who was there at the time, um, just helped them out at the end of the nights of closing things out and learning reporting and things like that, that, you know, I was like, I think I could I think I could do something like this with because it relates to not only the finance aspect of what I was doing, but obviously staying in sports and in the venue. So I think one of the things that uh, I love that you just said, yes, you just kept doing it and you kind of did it on the side as you were doing it as you were learning in college. But one of the things that I find and why I thought a conversation with you would be unique is people hear a lot about, you know, the ticket sales side of it, the sponsorship side of it. Um, they hear. Uh, about you know marketing and social media and all kinds of that stuff but like 
there's a whole thing of ticket operations. So before, do you want to describe what ticket operations is for our listeners? Uh, sure. Um, I mean, from a from a young age and starting this business, um, I've always told people it's the lifeblood. You can't have an event, uh, whether it's a sport, uh, a concert, um, a play, anything like that, anything in the arts, um, without somebody in the ticket operations. Uh, obviously, we're going to a, a point in the digital age where you have tickets that are on your phone and everything's mobile, and and that's great. But the back end work of how that event becomes a reality uh, still has to have somebody do that work. So it's a lot of the behind the scenes work. Um, it can be not the most, uh, um, you know, rewarding from the fact of the interaction with the fans, clients, things like that. Generally, the interaction that um, I have with our fans and clients are. Um, when there's a problem, yeah, right. Just, yeah. The ticket ops guy is the one where some if something screws up, it's like, oh boy, go talk to Gogri. That's right. Yeah, somebody's got to come. If, you know, they've got something wrong. Somebody wants to complain. They get to come yell at me. So, um, but that's okay. Um, you know, it's it's part of the job. Um, but being able to troubleshoot, find the problem, um, and quickly, you know, get them on their way and get them into whatever event we're hosting, uh, is kind of what I do. Yeah, and you are basically the one, like, so if I was a fan and I went on DallasStars.com and I wanted to buy tickets and you're clicking around, you build that whole thing, right? You build the whole arena digitally so that people can buy tickets. Yeah, yeah, it's the whole, you know, obviously the our executives and stuff set the pricing and everything like that, but building everything on the back end that you see uh, is and are able to purchase uh, is the stuff that I have to build. Um, so if that doesn't work, then that's when <laughs> I get a talking to then. Yeah, so. <laughs> you don't want to get a talking to. Yeah, no. One, so I, one of the things I think that your situation is unique, and we just haven't really talked through uh, a lot on front office features yet, is we talk a lot about finance. And you combine finance and uh, your love of sport uh, together in a career. You want to talk a little bit about how finance, ticket operations all kind of meld together? Sure. Um, you know, when when you're on the sales side of things, um, you know, you're yes, you're employed by, a, you know, a company or a team, uh, but you're, you're really in business for yourself. You're selling a product that might be for the team, um, but you're the way you make your living is off the commission of those sales um, on the operation side. It's not that way. Um, you know, we don't make commission. Uh, we make money when the team makes money. <laughs> you know, I mean, yes, we have salaries and stuff, but I mean, it's it's not a it's not a thing that I'm going out trying to outsell anybody or anything like that. I'm here to just do a job. Uh, we relate to the finance department because that's where all our reporting goes. Um, it goes through them. Um, I do all the reporting for our team here for ticket sales wise and send that off to the league. So it not only has to be right for the people in our front office here, but that also goes to the league, which in turn goes to the board of governors across all of the NHL where they rank and see where everybody's sales and everything are. And it, from a finance standpoint, you're literally like counting money. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're literally counting money. You are balancing uh, drawers. Uh, so the people that are like, hey, I like finance stuff. Uh, talk about um, the 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 really uh, accounting practices that you put in place each day. Sure. Uh, the accounting wise, uh, I mean, that's I, I grew up doing that. My dad was in accounting for a long time. So um I kind of learned to do all that stuff. And, you know, even when I worked with you in Omaha, it was, you know, the people that, you know, chasing down people that don't pay. Huh. Uh, it's, uh, get it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough thing. Um, 
again, like I don't make any of that money, but I got to help out all our salespeople uh, that can come in and, uh, you know, help their make their living uh, on their behalf and send people reports on things like, hey, these people are behind or they've got a payment plan coming up and that kind of stuff to just make sure that they stay current and can get all their uh, payments into us and we can not have to have visits with me at the box office on a game night. Yeah, right. I I just found, uh, you know, not, not a lot of people think when uh, you, uh, you know, when you're interested in finance, you're like, all right, I got to go be the team accountant. I don't think that's true. I think that you could find a nice little home in, uh, in, in ticket ops because you're literally dealing with, um, you know, uh, are you up? Are you down? Balancing of uh, of drawers, balancing um, uh, of you know, kind of the daily box office transactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're sending all kinds of reports. You're doing a lot of different reports, uh, and it's very much a finance job as much as it is uh, a ticket job. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, it's really it's about fifty fifty. Um, you know, we report to, um, you know, in my area, I report to not only our sales director because he wants to see what tickets we're actually selling. Um, but the overall finance too, um, sponsorship dollars, everything like that all have to come through and, you know, has its place and make sure that everything balances out from not only just a game night cash sales at the windows to, you know, the end of game, once a game is finalized and, uh, like I said, sending everything off to the league and so they can see how much we made for one game kind of thing. It's accounting, but cooler. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my dad was in accounting for Union Pacific for thirty five years, and so, you know, I you know shadow him at work for some things. I'm like, yeah, I kind of like the accounting stuff, but the whole gotta, corporate office setting was kind of not really where I wanted to go. But, but you can't catch Kevin Brownside's, uh, you that's know, right. on your off time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't get to to see players like that. Talk uh, talk about a normal day for you, Gogs. The um, you handle two hockey teams, two arenas, hoops team, the whole thing. Talk a little bit about what a, a normal day. It's just not the Dallas Stars, right? Uh, correct. So um, the Dallas Stars and um, our offices are in Frisco, Texas. Um, okay. It's called the uh, Comerica Center now. It just rebranded to the Comerica Center. Um, that's where our corporate offices are. And so on a Stars game day, we play downtown in downtown Dallas at the American Airlines Center. Um, so... We will come to work and work here until about two o'clock and then drive downtown, which is about 30 minutes away, uh, drive downtown uh, and work the game that night. Um, but here at our venue in Frisco at the Comerica Center, uh, we have the Texas Legends, which is the Dallas Mavericks uh, G League affiliate. Um, and then we have our own concerts and um, family shows. Like we just had Baby Shark live and you know, oh, have three year old that would have been a yeah, uh, so. a three-year-old, that would have been a mess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, lots of kids, but it was fun. Um, good show. Uh, we have Cirque du Soleil come in here um, pretty much every year. Um, so so talk, talk about your job in that, right? Uh, uh, in my world, it's just basically they're doing baseball games. You seem to be doing a whole bunch of other things. Talk about the challenges, the uniqueness of going from a G League team to the Dallas Stars to Baby Shark Live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, the nice part about it, you know, the American Airlines Center, uh, like the seating for our Stars games are, it's the same for every game. Um, but with the venue up here at the Comerica Center, depending on the show, we could have a 6,000 seat show, we could have a 2,500 seat show. 
Um, so it's being able to design and, and manifest all of, all of those different events. Um, and you know, one map, you could have two shows that are 2,500 seats each and the layout on the floor and be completely different. Um, so it's building a new map, um, and getting it all set up to however the stage is set up and everything like that. I also have to say, if you are, ex- you have to be extremely detail oriented to be doing what you're doing. Uh, it, it does help. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it does there's help. so many fine details and, you know, we'll have, you know, just instances where if it's a quick turnaround from a, you know, like a legends basketball game on a Friday night to a concert on Saturday and knowing that the legends for legends games, we have certain places that might be seats that might be covered or killed because of camera placements for TV. When you say killed, we're not killing people here, right? <laughs> yeah, killing the seats. So uh, covering them up so nobody can sit in them. Um, it's just making sure that knowing that, okay, in that quick turnaround, can the platform that covers the seats be removed in time for the show the next day? Or if not, then I can't sell those seats uh, for, you know, for the next show. They, um, so you're always changing, right? You must be working on four different projects a day, let alone because it just keeps on. It's an arena, right? It's not like a ballpark in the Northeast where it's November now and no one wants to be outside. Yeah, it's interesting how it works. I mean, the yes, we really don't have an off season uh, for our building here. Obviously, the, the NHL season runs from October to hopefully if we play our cards right through the early June. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, the summertime generally is a slower period um you know we have sports tenants we've had here we've had hockey teams here we've had arena football teams here um but they all pretty much have fallen within the same time frame as the of the national hockey league season um so it's good and bad so those seven months or seven eight months are really really busy um and then during the summertime is usually like a break kind of like when we were in baseball the you know between thanksgiving new year's time it's a, yeah, it's a, we're slower. about to enter the time. It's a, it's a great time. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, yeah it, it was a big change when I moved down here uh, to start working in hockey uh, because yeah. of working in baseball. Like, I could always have be home for Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, that kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, here with the Dallas Stars, we, um, we play on the day after Thanksgiving at home every year. Um, we generally That's play a, a day or game two. for you. Yeah. We generally play a day or two before Christmas. Um, and historically we've played on New Year's Eve, uh, here at the Dallas Stars, but, uh, this year we were awarded the, uh, the outdoor game, the Winter Classic. On oh, that'd January be cool. Where's that? Where's the, where's the Winter Classic being held? The Winter Classic is taking place at the Cotton Bowl. At the Cotton Bowl? Where OU Texas plays, um, the old, in Fair Park and where the State Fair of Texas is. So outdoors at the football stadium, uh, we'll have, you know, almost 90,000 people. Uh, coming to watch hockey outdoors, the Dallas Stars versus the Nashville Predators. That's incredible. Um, what uh, did you have any role in that, or does the Cotton Bowl kind of handle all of the seating of that, or how does that work? Um, we we played the role. It's a it's a league run event. It kind of we kind of got this with uh, the Dallas Stars at the American Airlines Center hosted the 2018 National Hockey League draft entry level yep. draft. So we hosted that. Um, and in the, the view of the National Hockey League, uh, our staff just knocked it out of the park. And so we were trying to get, you know, hockey outdoors here and uh, we're able to get the venue um, secured. Um, a lot of that was our, you know, goes to our team president, Brad Alberts, who did an amazing job to secure all that. Um, 
but when it comes into it, it's a league run event. And, but the league is based in New York city. So they come down here and rely a lot on us, uh, myself and, uh, our director and the, and the people in our department, uh, to really get the lay of the land and know, like we've never played an event <laughs> at the cotton bowl. Yeah, why would uh, you? So the manifest of that was new. So, I mean, it was things like my boss and I went out one day and went and sat in probably about 20,000 seats at the cotton bowl. Uh, really? See, you went, you see. went and like sat in the, in, in the seats. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, it's a foot, it's an old football stadium. So, I mean, most of it's like metal bleacher benches, but we had to sit in the seats to make sure that when we're looking that we could see and make sure where all the obstructions are to know where to not sell seats at. So how does your season ticket holders work? Do they get tickets to the game? Do they have to buy tickets to the game? How does that work? Uh, so they got a, a pre-sale option to it, uh, for that. Uh, before anything went on sale to the public. Uh, basically, the way it works is they take our uh, capacity of what a normal Dallas Stars hockey game would be at the American Airlines Center, um, and that number of tickets was allocated to us. And that wow. was our first right to sell. So we gave our, our full season ticket holders the ability uh, to go purchase to that event. And then do they have, if they sit, I don't know, on the blue line facing the penalty box, it does. They don't get to the same seats, or do they? Nope, nope. It's not. Uh, it's just the first right to buy. They can buy whatever they're, whatever they're looking for. How many uh, times did you answer that question? The season ticket holders, a thousand? Oh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah, I sit here. Well, hey, it's out here. Here's your window to buy. Buy wherever you want to sit. Um, you know, if if people have watched the previous Winter Classic games and any other outdoor hockey games, um, you know, they'll know that kind of the ones the closest to the field um, are not the best seats. Uh, you want to be yeah, up a little higher. Low, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's, it's literally, they put ice down on top of the football field. Yeah. I remember so you want to uh, be, be up a little higher uh, in that instance. Um, and fans pretty much knew that, but I mean, we blew through our allotment in, I don't know, three, four days. Really? Just uh, yeah. that fast, huh? Oh, yeah. And then whatever um, Nashville, the opposing team, they they had an allotment um, that they could sell to their fans who wanted to come in. Um, and then the rest of it, the league put out there for sale. And it was the second fastest selling Winter Classic game uh, behind, really? when it was, yeah, behind when it was at the big house uh, in Michigan. So they um, that's in, that, that's awesome. And um, when is it being played in February? Uh, January 1st, New Year's Day. New Year's Day. Yeah. It's going to be cold enough? Uh, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. A whole bunch um, of the, the, the ideal thing is to not have rain. Rain on ice doesn't work very well. But, you know, if you could get a – I mean, it could be 60 degrees and sunny, and that's still doable. Um, they'll put the ice in about two and a half, three weeks before uh, yeah. January 1st. Um, so, but, yeah, just no rain. And no, no rain. Okay, uh, I have my fingers crossed that on uh, January first you don't have any, uh, yeah. don't have any rain. That's cool. And I mean, I do have experience pulling tarp, but yeah, I don't right? think I want to. I don't think I want to do it on ice. <laughs> <laughs> we do have experience pulling tarp. Oh yeah, uh, the um, that's that's pretty cool, and it's pretty cool that you got to pl uh, play a part of it. And uh, what will your role be on event day on January first? Um, event day, pretty similar to a stars event. Um, a lot of it's going to be resolution. Um, just making sure that, um, you know, 
tickets work, um, if they have any issues, need anything reprinted. Uh, just like just like any other game, you know, somebody will get a ticket transferred to them and they didn't get the right barcode or whatever. So it's verifying that they are the customer that needs to have it and, and verify that they're the one that, that should be coming in the gates. So this is kind of the same topic, but not really where I was anticipating going. How big of an issue do you have with, like, fake tickets on, like, StubHub and that kind of stuff? Not to single out StubHub, but uh, sure. it's all called third-party tickets. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it happens. Um, it happens less and less these days, um, the more digital we've gotten. Um, two years ago, we did away at the American Airlines Center with print-at-home tickets. So your little 8.5 by 11 PDF printout. Um, we did away with that. Um, wow. and, that and that has really helped. Um, it's a thing called that I like to call a ticket roulette. So well, if, if you, you get print a, home tickets, yeah. So if you print tickets at home and you print your seat out and then you go make 10 photocopies of that same seat, the barcode is still the same. And then you go and sell those 10 different, 10 different pieces of paper and then you're playing roulette. So the first person that gets to come to the door and scan in gets in and the other people. Get ah, ah, I got you. So don't buy printed home tickets. Uh, if you are going to a sporting event or just buy them from uh, the yeah. team, if you can. Yeah. I mean, a lot of venues are, are going away from that. Some still do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, anytime going digitally through the phone is much easier and it's easier to track. Interesting. All right. That was just one of the th random thoughts that popped in my no, head sure. as, as, as I was talking to you. Um, one of the things in your job, you hire and train a billion people a year, right? Uh, what do you find that makes good people? Uh, do you think that working in the box office is a good entry way to uh, get your foot in the door? Talk a little bit about uh, what you're looking for when you're hiring uh, hiring folks. Yeah, um, a lot of it, especially based on um, you know the industry that I'm in, is flexibility. Uh, they've got to be able to flexible to understand that, you know, like we're working nights, we're working weekends, we're working holidays, you know, pretty much. I mean, we're a 365 day a year job. Um, you know, there could potentially be events on, on, on any day of the year. Um, flexibility is that um, willingness to learn. Um, I teach people uh, <laughs> kind of the long way first uh, to get them as much information as they can um, to know not just hey you press these buttons to get a ticket to print out but here's yeah. why you do that um so it's the desire and willingness to learn um and then once they master that you know give them some more shortcuts and things um and then being dedicated to to your job and that's you know showing up on time uh and wanting to be there to do a job it's not necessarily the most gratifying thing just and you'll get you know yelled at at the window sometimes because they'll see something that hey i just saw the seat was available online 10 minutes ago i came down to the box office now it's not you know people get upset with things like that um so understanding that you're gonna have to have some difficult conversations uh with customers Sorry, good, difficult conversations are, are okay i think it sure. makes a, a good well-rounded person yeah. do you see a lot of people like um you know, if I was a college-age student and I'm in Texas, uh, do you think that uh, working at Dallas Stars box office is kind of a way to – is their equivalent of your bat boy? Um, I think so. Um, it's, it's either getting in there 
uh, into the box office or just through some of our other internship programs. Um, we have a really good internship program, not only just within our department, um, but our sales department, our corporate partnership department. And, you know, one of the people that works uh, for me now on game days, he started out in our uh, corporate sales internship. And we really like to kind of, if we, if we like the, per the people that are, are working with us, um, we do our best to find them something. Yeah. Uh, so an opportunity was not available in corporate partnerships where he initially wanted. Um, but we had an opening in our department and he's been working with us for the last nine hockey seasons. So nine hockey seasons. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. It's a hell of an internship. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, you know, <laughs> he gets, he gets paid now. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm glad he's a perpetual intern. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that, that's funny. So what do you think is the biggest difference between, you know, the average person who comes in? uh and a great person uh who comes in and works for you um especially an entry level thing it's their willingness to learn and desire to learn um i still learn every day i mean i've been doing this for almost ticket operations for almost 20 years and i still learn new things every day um you got to have that that drive to come in here and be willing to hey i've got this stuff down but i can always get better yeah, it's a. Uh, we talk a lot about effort and attitude, right? Is uh, mm -hmm. you put in, uh, you put in a whole bunch of effort, and you do it with a smile on your face. Guys like Jeff Gogarty will teach you what push buttons to push. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, uh, you know, and and a lot of that goes back to, you know, people I worked with yourself and and Marty, um, you know, Marty J. Yeah, installing that in there, I'm like, you guys really, you know, showed the way of how to do it. Might always been the most fun things you wanted to do, like hanging windscreens on a outfield bleachers. But you know, we did a couple of those. Yeah, we did yeah. a couple of those. Yeah, uh, you got, you got, there's some grunt work involved in, in every in every job that you do. Um, you know, especially working in sports, it's it's uh, but it's it's very rewarding. Yeah, I, it's uh, it's the best. Um, one of the things we talked a little bit about it is ticket operations and finance go together very closely. The other thing that I always thought uh, ticket operations aligned itself closely with was technology. Uh, a lot of the technological advancements of when you go to an event uh, have a lot to do with uh, uh, the technology with your ticket. Uh, what are some of the things that you've seen or what are some of the things that you guys are doing uh, from a technological aspect uh, to improve the customer experience when coming to the uh, arena? Yeah, I mean, the number one thing was doing away with the, the printed home tickets. Um, you know, we still do for like our full season ticket holders, like the commemorative, you know, nice piece printed yeah, like ticket books. like big stock, heavy stock. Yeah. Usually has gold in it somewhere. Yeah, I mean, people, people still enjoy those. Um, you know, personally, I've kind of gotten away from doing that like it's just easier just to pull it up on my phone and I know where it is and I can you know it's it's one of those things that in this day and age people will leave maybe without their wallet or leave home without their tickets or anything but they're not leaving without their phone yeah right uh, so having that technology and then you know not only being able to use your phone for entry but using your phone for everything transferring tickets from one person to another selling tickets you know reselling your tickets online um, can all be done through your mobile device and it's it's uh, it's been really been cool to to see 
like the back end work that has to be done. So describe a little bit about the back end work that has to be done. That's what you do for a living. Yeah, it is. So, um, I mean, it's it's the little things of making sure that, you know, you can just if you sign into your account on your mobile device that you can see the events, that you can move the tickets, uh, that, um, you know, little things of the detail of day, date and time. Like it matters if you set the time wrong because then the <laughs> ticket will disappear, you know, day, like day, date, and time. This is why they have guys like you to yeah. put day, date and time in there. And guys like me have no earthly idea what the hell to yeah. do when it comes yeah, to we're that. Playing on Tuesday. Okay, cool. Great. Yeah. You know? Be there on Tuesday. I'll see you. Yeah. Um, little things of like how long it's active for. So, um, you could have a ticket for, if we had a game tonight that started at seven 30 and, there's a date on the back end that nobody ever sees, but it's like, okay, well, I have to actually set that date four hours in the future because then at 7.30, that ticket would disappear from your account because it's no longer an active event. So things like that and being able to do, you know, and see that and put that out there so that everybody doesn't have to then run to the box office saying, I don't see my tickets anymore. You spend an inordinate amount of time in front of a computer. Oh, yes. Yes, you're, yes, you're, most, you're, you're most of the day. Yes, most of the days in front of yeah. the, making sure the right boxes are checked and right making sure yeah. that everything is perfectly aligned, everything is accurate. Because just to get to hit the print on a ticket, there's like 106 steps that it takes <laughs> to say make sure that that ticket's printed. Oh sure, I mean it's it's is it at the right price? Is it paid? Is the is it paid? Pay? Yeah, that's, is is a good the, one. Yeah, is the is the correct rep on the account? Because I got to make sure that they get their credit for their sale. Um, you know, if we're happening to be mailing tickets by, you know, good old U.S. Postal Service or UPS, like, you know, is the correct address on there? Um, all that stuff has to be checked and, and looked through to make sure before anything ever hits print. Right. I agree. Um, one of the last things that I'll, that I'll ask you is I feel that the box office manager has to be like the biggest team player ever because you've got the president CEO that's coming in and saying, Hey, I've got uh, some people here. I really need to take care of, but also you've got like the interns uh, or the person quote unquote lowest on the totem pole also doing similar things. How do you uh, work between president CEO to intern and everything in between? And what kind of personality trait does that take? Um, it's the flexibility. I mean, you, you, you gotta know your audience. Uh, the audience could be the fan or it could be the people within our own walls of our company. Um, yeah. When president CEO says, Hey, I need tickets for this game that we know is a high dollar game and I, I better make magic happen and find it, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, right. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's dealing with all the different personalities and where people are, um, within the company, uh, to, to help facilitate and say, Hey, you know, it's, and it goes back to the tough conversations because at times, you know what, the president might even need to be able to be, you know, be told no, or, you know, I can't fully complete the request. Um, you know, Hey, I need eight seats. Okay. Well, it's going to be four here and four here kind of thing and not eight altogether. Yeah. The, uh, and I think the being able to talk to the president the same way that you talk to, uh, you know, an hourly person is important. Do you agree? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I've been lucky to work for a couple awesome organizations that um, I feel that I have, you know, the ability to go in and do that um, and, and just talk to 
whether it's a GM, president, whatever of, of whatever organization I'm working for, um, and we have an open dialogue about it. And it's just being able to say, hey, you know, can this work? You know, when a new right. show comes in, hey, how quickly can we get it on sale? And it's being honest with them and being like, hey, you know what? This one could be pretty easy. I can get it in 48 hours. Or, you know, this one's going to take some time. Uh, it's pretty in-depth. It might take seven days kind of thing. So Yeah. Um, but it's just think, being honest with them. I think that's the key is you, you want to be honest with them. You don't want to say, all right, I can do it in a day, and it's going to take you three because then you look terrible. Right. And if uh, you can do it in two days, uh, but you're going to say it's going to take me a week, nah, we, you can start to see right through that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's the honesty thing. And, you know, I, most of the people that I've, you know, had the pleasure to work with here at this organization, um, even when new people come in, you know, I kind of, from where I'm at, I kind of lay the groundwork and say, hey, look, if this is the type of the event that's coming to the Comerica Center here. You know, this is the basic timeline, timeline, you know, so that when they're going out negotiating deals to bring in an act or a concert or a show or anything, they kind of already have that going in. So when they're talking with the promoter saying, hey, because promoters always want to go on sale now. Yeah, right. They want they want to start making money now. Yeah. Um, so I kind of arm our general manager here at the Comerica Center um, and the other people that go out and book events for us saying, hey, based on the type of show, here's the kind of timeline you're looking at from my end of the things of, you know, getting an event on sale. There's a uh, last question for you. Mm hmm. There's a lot of people who uh, have worked in minor league baseball and then go to, well, I'll call it the core four, right? Yeah. What do you think is the biggest difference of working in minor league baseball, a gorgeous facility called Rosenblatt Stadium, <laughs> uh, say that tongue in cheek, uh -huh. uh, to, uh, to the NHL, to you know, what I'll call the big leagues? What's the biggest difference that you see? Um, it's um, probably just – you know the, the the livelihood of it it's it's just more you know there's just so much more action uh the staffs are bigger there's so many more pe so much more people um that you're having to deal with in so many parts um when you're in the minor leagues sure you have a title but you really wear about six seven eight hats you know yeah right from from pulling tarp to putting up windscreens to you know it, you know, when bats are delivered to the stadium, well, you got to carry them down to the clubhouse that, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of big operation staff that'll come and do all that kind of stuff for you. So you have to, you have to do some of that. Uh, when you get in the big leagues, the staff is much larger and you have all those people. So you have to inter be able to interact with all of them and coordinate it as opposed to in the minor leagues, it was like, okay, well it's here. So I'll go know, do it. We're the only few people here. We just got to go do it. Now it's Okay who is doing it and the coordination with everybody that way, whether it's, you know, within our department or, or not in another department and get everybody working together that way. And just to, uh, it's like, ah, oh, you know, the minor different things is in minor leagues is, uh, you're uh, catching Kevin Brown uh, <laughs> right. side sessions that no one's asked you to like play goalie or something like that when someone's no, having... no. Yeah. Uh, you know, our, <laughs> the interaction with, uh, the, the team or the acts or the artists or anything, or those are, uh, those are a little different. It's a lot easier at the minor leagues, um, you know, but at, at the end of the day, um, the cool part is, is, you know, for like the Dallas stars, you know, we have an owner and 
the, the players are employees of the Dallas Stars, just like I am. Whereas when we were together in minor league baseball, like the players, they're employees of the big league club, not yeah. of the actual, like they don't get the same paycheck from the same people that we do, you know? Right. Right. That's uh, it's different. But I also think too, when you're in the major, uh, in the big leagues, like I'll, I'll call that you are, um, I bet they have to appreciate that you've done the work before. So like the operations staff and the million other hats that you work, uh, I think people appreciate that you actually did that kind of work before and you just weren't always the guy behind the computer. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, I always ask people kind of, you know, especially when we're hiring new candidates, um, you know, if you're right out of college, I mean, do internships. And I would, from my experience, I would suggest minor league baseball um, because you get to see everything uh, at that level. Yeah, you see the whole business side. You see the whole operation, right? It's just not just one thing. Yeah, you see everything. I mean, you might have to, you know, open a concession stand and understand how that works to, you know, selling merchandise and then to seeing what the corporate partnership side does to what ticket sales do and how it all gets together. Uh, I tend to, you know, really look at candidates, too, that come in and I'm like, oh, you work in minor league baseball. Um, And it's not to, you know, downgrade any other minor league sports that are out there, basketball, football, whatever. But baseball, I mean, it's 70, 75 games. You know, uh, yeah. And it's it's understanding, uh, you know, what working a homestand of eight games is. It's a grind. Days. Yeah, eight straight days of that. Um, you know, we have homestands here in the NHL, and it's like three days a <laughs> week. So we'll play like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Still a grind, but you have, you know, kind of the days in between uh, to, you know, kind of refuel and regroup. Wow, it's great. Well, Jeff, it is uh, a pleasure to see you. It is a uh, pleasure to hear how well you're doing. Congratulations. I hope the Dallas Stars uh, win the Stanley Cup and I get to see pictures of you holding up the uh, cup and drinking beer out of it or whatever the heck that you would do uh, if that would happen. That, that would above. be a start. Yeah, yeah, all of the above. That would be a start. <laughs> Gogs, it's, uh, it's great to see you, man, and uh, I look forward to, uh, to the next time. We'll have to make it uh, less than 10 years from now. Yeah. That sounds great, Rob. Anytime, bud. All right, buddy. All right, thanks.